This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Okay, so turning our attention now to the presidential election as we work our way towards, shockingly, an, a very upcoming, in the grand scheme of things, presidential election, which, you know, in and of itself is somewhat stunning. We've been through so much as a nation in the last four, five, six years that even more than that, arguably, that time has seemed to shift. But nonetheless, here we are just months away from when things really heat up and arguably actually just over a month away from the first critical moment in this presidential election, that being, of course, the first GOP debate, one that Donald Trump says he's going to skip. And something that caught my attention in The Hill is this notion that right now is a make or break moment for Ron DeSantis, somebody who is he going to be the Bobby Jindal Jindal of this year where he's like this quasi, you know, front runner and then just sort of disappears? Or is he going to make a play and be extremely relevant and put pressure on Trump as this this election process moves forward? Julia Manchester with The Hill joins us this morning. And you wrote that article that I just referenced a make or break moment for Ron DeSantis with the looming first GOP debate. Good morning. And thanks so much for your time. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, real pleasure. So let's get right to it. Obviously, this our conversation today is just a day after DeSantis, uh, the DeSantis campaign announced significant layoffs. There's some talk of a cash crunch in the campaign. Your article predates that, and it really turns the attention towards the first GOP debate and how this is a moment where Ron DeSantis needs to, if he's going to have any relevance whatsoever, find a way to establish his personality as something not just, um, you know, undesirable and sort of break away from his theme as a culture warrior. Talk about your article and what what you were discussing there. Yeah. So what we've seen and, you know, I wrote this article last week before we heard these this news of the layoffs and such and sort of this reset within the campaign. But what we've seen is Ron DeSantis has failed to gain traction. He obviously is still in second place to Donald Trump, but it's a distant second place. And we heard so much hype and saw so much hype surrounding his campaign announcement. And it seems to just have sort of plateaued or, um, you know, some people would say it's maybe flopped in many cases because that's obviously the complete opposite of what's happened to Donald Trump. He didn't have that great of a start to a, a presidential campaign, but he is by and large the favorite to win the primary. So what you're seeing is sort of a, you know, a reset with the DeSantis campaign. I think it's interesting. He's set to sit down with uh, with CNN today, CNN's Jake Tapper. That's a major shift in his media strategy. Normally, he'll talk to um, you know local news reporters in many first primary states or um, Iowa. But he largely does right-leaning, more conservative, uh, you know, talk shows and, you know, talks to those personalities. Um, a few weeks ago, he did go on Fox News and spoke with Martha McCallum, one of the um, you know, straighter news jo- journalists at the network over there. But he's largely kept to a very conservative audience, very conservative pool. So this definitely seems to sort of um, introduce sort of a shift in his campaign strategy. And of course, as as you mentioned, this comes before those first presidential primary debates in August, which is going to be a huge moment for the governor. First of all, it's going to be probably his first big moment 
talking directly to the American people to a national audience. And, you know, for those of us that live and breathe politics, those those of us with ties to Florida, for example, we know a lot about Ron DeSantis. However, your average American probably has read or seen Ron DeSantis in the news, but they don't know too much about him. Um, so I think this is going to be a lot of DeSantis's allies say that this primary is going to be the first time it really or this um, debate will be the, um, a major test for him because he'll get his introduction to the American people. And they argue that that's really when the campaign uh, you know, season really starts, even though we are, are obviously seen it really kick into gear. So those debates are going to be something we're watching. Yeah. And you reference in your article that this is really the argument from inside the, the DeSantis camp and from his allies as a whole is that his name ID is much lower than, like you mentioned, those of us who are kind of inside baseball people or even just news consumers. You know, we know Ron DeSantis, even if it's just as simple as COVID and Disney, you know, you have an association there. But the argument that is made by DeSantis allies right now is that he's not performing well in polls because he doesn't have that that name recognition. That seems somewhat hard to believe. But again, I'm colored by the fact that I'm in this stuff every day. Your take right now on the viability of establishing significant name recognition, name ID through a debate that may, in fact, propel him to a more competitive position against Donald Trump. Look, I think debates are major opportunities for candidates, particularly candidates who don't have that nationwide name ID. Um, and this first debate is going to be a big one. Um, and they usually are big ones. I think in 2015, when Fox News hosted that first 2016 Republican primary debate, they brought in nearly 25 million viewers. So that's going to be really important for DeSantis. Now, whether Trump decides to show up or not, it seems like he's definitely leaning towards skipping. Um, that's going to be a major, um, you know, going to play a major role in the calculus, not only of DeSantis, but also of the other candidates. But for DeSantis, his team and his allies say it's kind of a win-win for him at this point, saying that, look, he, he'll have a target on his back, of course, because you have the other candidates, the Tim Scotts, the Nikki Haley's, the Vivek Ramaswamy's, who want to knock him out of that second place. But if they turn this into a show of, you know, continuously knocking Ron DeSantis, that sort of elevates him. Now, if Donald Trump were to decide to show up on the debate stage, you know, his, uh, you know, people, you know, Republicans tell me that, you know, he's can't help himself, that he's going to want to go headfirst after DeSantis. So that also elevates him. Um, but it's going to be very important, especially when it comes to DeSantis's personality and how he connects with viewers. So there's been a lot of questions about his personality, um, you know, how personable he is, how communicative he is. And this is why it's such an important moment for him, because it's going to be the first time all of these millions of Americans are going to see this. And you have the Americans that obviously tune in for this live, but it's going to get clipped. There's going to be replays of it. So it's going to be a big moment for every candidate that makes it to the stage. That's mm, an interesting point that you make there with clips. And obviously, it's not as if clips have not been around since really the origin of television and even radio, arguably. But this will be the first debate in the era where TikTok-esque videos dominate and perhaps outperform the full length of a debate, the full hour. And a five to 15 second bite can be the piece of content that 
is the ultimate connector for any candidate. For Ron DeSantis, it's critical that he doesn't slip into anything that can be interpreted as, you know, bolstering that notion that he's got a terrible personality that can be put into a five or 10 second clip. So this is a new type of debate where the micro focus is going to be something that I think throughout this campaign is elevated. And you wonder if when we look back on this in September and we we, we start to reflect on this debate, if it will come down to just a simple 30 second moment which sometimes that's all it takes for a candidate to persuade or dissuade voters. But it seems like the pressure's on even more to be airtight. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, um, you know, I would argue that it's especially important for advertisements and um, the ads that are in videos that are going to be circulating after this, Um, you know, whether they're attack ads or something that DeSantis's campaign can tout. Um, You know, I'm drawn back to 2016 during that, you know, when Chris Christie and Marco Rubio really went at it on stage um, that was seen, you know, I think there's different uh, interpretations of that from the Rubio and Christie worlds, but that was seen as kind of an undoing of Marco Rubio or a weaker point for him. Um, And that clip has continued to uh, live on. But ultimately, I think if Trump is on stage, that's going to make the biggest difference in the world and how, but, you know, we obviously don't know for sure whether he's going to do that or not. Right. Or if he's going to run some kind of counter programming parallel to the debate that will maybe peel off a certain number of viewers who are just Trump loyalists or curious and whether or not Trump is on stage, obviously that's the major factor. What about the other candidates? Chris Christie has really built his campaign around the idea of being an attack dog against Donald Trump. Um, You wonder if anybody will uh, take a similar position against DeSantis. Obviously, like you had referenced, there would be a he he being if if Trump wasn't there, he being the front runner on the stage of those who are on stage, he would be the recipient of his of a a number of attacks, undoubtedly. But do you sense that that DeSantis is um, positioned in a way that would he's going to draw direct attacks on a regular basis or from other candidates or will he simply be just another one of the other than trumps i could see someone like a chris christie wanting to go after ron DeSantis because i still think chris christie and ron DeSantis represent different parts of the republican party and i think chris christie is a very good debater um he's going to want to make a splash and if trump isn't on that stage Chris Christie's going to direct his ire. Well, you know, I think he'll still attack Trump, whether he's there or not. But it's going to be directed at DeSantis for someone like Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy, um, who has been having a good few weeks and starting to bolster his own name recognition and is really um, surpassing a lot of expectations. He's going to want to also, um, you know, go on the attack against Ron DeSantis as well. And for two people like Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, two very and Mike Pence, I, I should say, I'll lump those three in the same category to you know very different candidates from donald from ron DeSantis, particularly haley and scott um so i'm curious with haley and scott particularly scott if they want to take that more happy warrior approach tim scott's really been putting out this positive unifying message haley as well um so i'm curious to see whether he'll use that to counter DeSantis or you know completely go after DeSantis on that to um you know draw contrast 
leading up to the debate, based on your reporting right now, what do, what do you sense the DeSantis campaign is thinking about in terms of positioning themselves so that they have more name recognition and more of a the, the American people have more of an understanding of who Ron DeSantis is essentially creating buzz going into the debate. Yeah, look, I think that's learned. number one priority for them. That's why they're doing this Jake Tapper interview. They're obviously trying to reach a broader audience. Um, you know, he's continuing his campaign swings. He's in South Carolina today. He's releasing his military plan. So he's going to continue to want to build that name ID, create that buzz and create headlines that aren't um, campaign in disarray. Because um, that's really been the narrative for the past um, you know, c- couple of weeks, really, but especially the past four or five days. So they're going to want to move away from that, make some news on uh, on another front um, in order to get away from that narrative. But it's going to be difficult because then you have someone like Donald Trump, who is um, continuing to attack uh, Ron DeSantis. What's the thought inside the beltway right now about Ron DeSantis? What where does he live in terms of, you know, is he is, is he taken seriously is he, as a candidate, not necessarily as a governor or as a person, but what's the chatter? Is he real? I think he's certainly taken seriously um, and, you know, talking to Biden world and, you know, talking to Democrats in Washington. I think there's a sense that they would much rather run against Donald Trump versus a Ron DeSantis. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. And last question here, vice presidential aspirations. Have you heard anything of this sort? Is it is the is the damage done? Does the Trump DeSantis uh, ticket make any sense at all? You know, Ron DeSantis says he does not want to be Trump's VP. We've heard him say that he doesn't play for second. That's what he said. But um, look, we'll see. Crazier things have happened. I think there certainly is bad blood between the two of them. But there was bad blood between Ted Cruz and Donald Trump. Um, At the same time, though, I think there is a push among Republicans to have more of a diverse ticket, um, have more diverse faces in the party. And, you know, Donald Trump obviously had Mike Pence, two older white men on the ticket in 2016. But I'm curious if there, you know, if Donald Trump is the nominee, whether he look at someone like a Nikki Haley, a Tim Scott, or even a Vivek Ramaswamy um, to try to appeal to a broader group of voters. The article is DeSantis faces potential make or break moment with first GOP debate. Julia Manchester for The Hill. Uh, You can find it, of course, at thehill.com. Hey, thanks so much for your time this morning. Yes, of course. You too.